0: Are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alright, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be giving some final predictions on Kentucky football's 2022 schedule. We're also going to be speaking with Aaron Gershon, beat writer for the Cats Paws over at 24-7 Sports. We're going to talk about Kentucky versus Miami, going to break down that matchup, going to give our predictions, our thoughts on that game, uh, a lot of stuff coming up uh, later on in the uh, in the week. Actually, next week, we're finally going to be going back to five episodes every single week. A little bit of a transition period for me, trying to do a lot of different things uh, moving behind the scenes here at Locked On Kentucky, but you guys are going to have a lot of content coming up in the future. A lot of things football related. I know a lot of you have been asking about it, so we're going to deliver so let's go ahead and get started here. Before we get started, though, actually, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Kentucky football's schedule, the 2022 schedule. We're going to give our official predictions here. Now, if you disagree with these, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. You can give me your thoughts on the schedule as a whole. Give me a record. Give me a bowl game. Whatever you want to do, that's perfectly fine with me. If you have any predictions for this upcoming season, Outside of the games in themselves, like maybe you think Will Levis is going to throw for 3,000, 3,500 yards, something like that. You think Chris Rodriguez is going to come back and he's going to break this rushing record or whatever. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below as well. Game one against Miami of Ohio. We're going to be previewing this uh, later on in the show with Aaron Gershon. This is a team that statistically was not bad in a couple of areas last year, actually. They've got a really solid quarterback uh, in uh, in Brett Gabbert. Relative, actually, of one Blaine Gabbert. We talk about that later on in the show. Really, really efficient in certain areas, but also Miami really inefficient uh, in certain areas. They were phenomenal at preventing teams uh, from scoring in the red zone last year. I don't think that they're going to be able to hold the Wildcats consistently. That's kind of something that they hung their hat on last year. It's kind of why they were able to get to the record that they got to. I believe they won seven games last year. I may be completely mistaken, but... I see different holes on this Miami team, just kind of breaking it down and looking at the roster. And I really don't like what they have up front. Last year, they were one of the best teams in the MAC in terms of creating havoc and getting pressure on the quarterback. They had, I believe, 38 sacks last season. They lose almost every single player that contributed on that D line. And I. They're, I, I don't want to necessarily say that they're a shell of what they were last year, but there are some question marks that don't give, I, I would not say give Miami confidence heading into a game against an SEC opponent. Now, I've been I've been burned on this show before by talking about teams and, saying, and pegging them as, as having inferior talent uh, to Kentucky. And I'm going to be honest, I mean, on paper, that's what we're looking at. It it is what we're looking at in this game, and so I would have to give the edge to Kentucky. Now, how much they win by is the question. Chris Rodriguez is going to be out for this game. We don't know when he's expected to return. As we all heard, three to four games uh, is what his uh, expected uh, is, is how long he's expected to be out. So I still think with the talent that Kentucky has and the fact that they've got Will Levis driving that offense, they're going to be able to find a way to score. Uh, Is it going to be over 40? I don't know. But I think they're going to be able to score. So it, just to give you kind of a a, a a score prediction here, 38-17, 38-14 is kind of some, is where I'm hovering around right now. Just make sure you don't turn the ball over and take care of business up front. I think that Kentucky should win this game. At Florida Week 2, this is going to be really, really fun. The goal right now is to have Brandon Olsen, host of uh, host of On Gators, on the show to uh, preview this matchup. Really looking forward to breaking that down with him. He's really, really good at what he does there over at Locked On Gators. But, yeah, this is a game that I've continued to say this entire offseason. We need to see what Florida looks like against Utah to kind of re- really figure out, okay, what's their ceiling against the Wildcats? Because we we kind of feel like Kentucky is a solid all-around team. I feel like they're one of the most stable programs in the SEC, and they're one of the most sound teams in the conference heading in at least to this season How can, or excuse me, how Florida handles the Utes week one at home in the swamp is going to really shift my opinion on this game. If Kentucky goes out there and wins by double digits, I don't feel good about this game. If they win close, I still don't feel good about this game. If they go out there and lose close, it's a 50-50 matchup. And if they go out there and lose by double digits, I, I feel good about Kentucky's chances. But there's a wide range of how this could go with Florida. I'm really curious to see what Anthony Richardson looks like last year, was not the most efficient passer on the planet whenever he got into the game. Also didn't really have a ton of reps. Florida's quarterback situation is very similar to where it was a year ago with Emory Jones kind of taking the reins of that offense. And and the question for me that offseason was, do we know enough about Emory Jones to peg him as a top half uh, uh, of the SEC kind of quarterback? and turns out he did not pan out, and I wasn't projecting him to not pan out. It's just I had a lot of reservation about Emory Jones in the Florida offense, and I, I kind of feel similar this year. I know it's a, it, it's a different situation with, with Billy Napier in there now, but I don't know. He's got a lot of physical tools. If you are going to make a quarterback, if you're going to build one like in a lab or something, they don't look a whole lot different than, than Anthony Richardson. But he's got to be able to go out there and produce. I'm just curious to see if he can do it with a year one coach. And there's a lot of different things going on at Florida right now. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say Kentucky wins that game right now. But again, come back to this in just a few days. We can talk about what what uh, Florida looked like against Utah. That's going to be a huge matchup for the Wildcats. Youngstown State, that's a win. I don't really have to say a whole lot about that. Northern Illinois, that's a win. Don't have a whole lot to say about that. At number twenty-one, Ole Miss. I specifically point out that the the Rebels currently are inside the top twenty-five. I think they're going to be ranked higher. I think they're going to be ranked higher before they play the Wildcats because you look at their first four games. I mean, barring a loss to Georgia Tech on the road, this team's going to be still inside the top twenty-five, probably top fifteen-ish if we're being honest here. Because you look again, you look at Ole Miss's schedule. They open the season with Troy. You've got Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and Tulsa before you play the Wildcats. Yeah, they're going to still be ranked so. I think that this is a game that Kentucky can go out there and win. I'm not extremely high on Ole Miss this season. To be honest with you, based on what I've heard uh, coming out of Oxford, and I'm sure all of you have read similar things, does not seem like there's a a ton of confidence. Now, there's optimism. There, There's a passion there within that fan base, but I, I wouldn't say that there's a, there's a lot of people around Oxford saying, oh, well, we pulled in another five-star quarterback. You know, we can definitely make another run at the SEC West. Doesn't look like that's going to be happening this season. I'm curious to see what that hodgepodge of transfers looks like, and the fact that Kentucky is their first real test for all of these different guys. i have just I question the chemistry there, and maybe Lane Kiffin can pull it off. I don't know, but this is this is a game that I think Kentucky can go out there and win. And to be honest with you, if Ole Miss's defense is similar to what it was last year, I feel confident in Kentucky just being able to run the ball. And not not winning big, but winning by a touchdown, winning by seven, eight, nine, ten points. So I'm going to call that a win on the road at Ole Miss. South Carolina at home, I've got this listed as a win. South Carolina is going to end up having like a four and eight, five and seven, six and six type of year, and they're going to be so much better than the record indicates that they are. They've got a really solid quarterback in Spencer Rattler. They've got some interesting pieces across at across the roster at different skill positions that we could dive into. I guess later on in the year, whenever we actually get to preview that matchup. But this is a sneaky, good South Carolina team. They could finish with eight wins. But on paper, I would predict him to lose certain games on the road in Lexington against a sound Kentucky team. Uh, I think that's a loss for Carolina. So right now, Kentucky, according to my predictions, starts the season off 6-0. and And then you get to the Mississippi State game. Quietly, everyone that I've spoken to is afraid of Mississippi State. Some people won't admit it. You can kind of get it based off of their tone. Some people will admit it, but people are quietly afraid of the Mississippi State Bulldogs this year. They've got all that experience returning, right? They've got Will Rogers at quarterback. They've got a solid defense. Actually, if you look at some of their numbers in in conference play, it's not as phenomenal as you would have expected, but it's still good. And then you got Mike Leach. You don't know what this team is going to do on a week-to-week basis. You don't know what's going to happen. The air raid is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, except at the same time, you know exactly what the scheme's going to be. This is an interesting game. This is a game that Kentucky lost last year. And I can't... I, I think that this is, this is one, going to be one of the more competitive games Kentucky plays in the end this season. Of course, a lot of them, I think, are going to be competitive, but I think this one's going to be close. I'm going to give Kentucky the win... But, man, it's just such a weird matchup week to week with Mississippi State, and you don't know what they're going to put out there. It's a, it's a veteran team. They know what they're doing. But sometimes, man, the, it, it falls apart, and sometimes it looks like they can't be beaten. It's just weird. Just the way the air raid works is just so weird. So 7-0. and At Tennessee, right now I've got this game as a loss. Look, Tennessee's defense is not going to be good this year. It's not going to be good. But their offense, I think, is going to be really, really good. And you can point to different things and say, well, you know, you know, Hendon Hooker's a byproduct of Josh Heupel's system or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I think the, if, the, if the fact stands that Tennessee is still putting up points at the rapid pace that they do, I mean, they're going to be a tough out week in and week out. They're going to be difficult to defeat. And you saw what they did to Kentucky secondary last season. I would say if we're going to pick weak spots on this roster, I definitely think secondary is one for the Wildcats. This is a... Not a great matchup for the wildcats. it's a little bit different than Mississippi state because the at least the Mississippi State offense has the ability to just shut down randomly. It's just like you know how you've got those old like Dell computers like some of you may still have like an old Dell laptop, and sometimes it'll be running just fine, sometimes it'll run great for no reason, and then all of a sudden you'll be using you'll and one day it'll just just go off, hear the little window sound effect, and it'll just die. That's kind of what Mississippi state is to me of course the I don't know. Would you call the Air Raid more modern than a Dell laptop? I don't know. But a loss to Tennessee nonetheless uh, following that, uh, that game with the Bulldogs. So we started the season off, what is that, 7-0? and You get to the uh, Tennessee game. You catch a loss. Missouri, at Missouri, is the following game after Tennessee. Do not overlook this game. This was a really tough competitive matchup last year. I believe this was a one-score win for the Wildcats, 35-28. Do not overlook this game. Missouri, at this point in the season, I guess they would be a known commodity, but it's interesting to me. They, according to PFF, have one of the better offensive lines in the the SEC. They return a decent amount of experience. They have some really interesting options at receiver, but they've got a freshman quarterback and they lost the SEC leading rusher in Tyler Beatty. How are they going to look? And again at this point they would at this point in the year they would be a known commodity but man right now this I'm I'm going to give Kentucky a win here. This could be a loss. I'm I'm leaving this open. I know a lot of people just kind of want to scrape over this. Say, oh, well, you have got Tennessee lost, Missouri and Vanderbilt are going to be wins. I'm not pegging this as a as a, a definitive win. This is the, this is the trap game for me. And it's not even really a trap game. I mean, it's on the road against a team that you've kind of split games with over the past few seasons. So, yeah, Missouri, I'm going to count as a win as of right now. Vanderbilt, right now, I'm also going to count as a win, although I will say if they put out the performance that they did against Hawaii, that's going to be a tough team to beat. It is at home for Kentucky, though, so there you go. Mike Wright is a decent quarterback. He's a very athletic kid. Kentucky gets the win. So as of right now, heading into the Georgia game, Kentucky has one loss on their schedule. I'm going to, right now, I'm going to predict Georgia to win that game against the Bulldogs and I was in a Twitter space the other night with a few other beat writers, a few other media members, a few other just, just people hanging out. And we were kind of talking about different things going on in the SEC. And somebody pointed out just how not necessarily, I guess, yeah, dominant Georgia has been against the Wildcats. If there was every year for Kentucky to go and spring an upset, this would be the year. This would be it. But I can't look past the talent I can't look, look past that coaching staff, and I can't look past the machine that they built, and so if we're going to predict things on paper right now, I give the edge to, to Georgia. And then at home, to begin uh, to uh, finish the season, you get Louisville. That's a win. Do I even really have to think about it? No, I don't. Will Levis may run wild in that game again. Who knows? All right, so to recap, we've got a 10-2 and two season, at least I'm predicting Kentucky to go 10-2 and two this year, with losses to Tennessee and Georgia, so that means 10 and 2, 6 and 2 in the SEC. If you disagree with that, you think they're going 8 and 4, 9 and 3, think they're going 0 and 12. You can leave a comment below here on YouTube, or if you're listening on podcast, hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK on Twitter. Again, at LockedOnUK on Twitter. Give it a follow, give it a message. Tell me what you think about this upcoming season. All right, before we get to our conversation with Aaron Gershon of the Cats pause over at 24 7, I'm going to preview the Kentucky versus Miami game, which is happening tomorrow. I want to tell you guys about the dangers of driving impaired. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? You know, what's the worst that can happen, right? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Well, that's where some people end up getting it wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you are high. You not only put yourself in danger, but you put everybody around you in danger as well. Talk about a buzzkill. You need to stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. We are now excited to be joined by a very special guest, Aaron Gershon of the Cat's Pause over at 24-7 Sports, also co-host of the Believe in Kentucky podcast. Aaron, really appreciate you coming on to talk about Kentucky football season opener against Miami of Ohio. To give everybody just kind of a brief idea of Miami's season last year, 7-6, and 5-3 and three in the MAC. Four of Miami's six losses last year were by five points or less, and actually three of them were by two points or or less, Aaron. Just kind of overall thoughts about this Miami Redhawks team before we kind of dive into individual players.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously this is a game Kentucky should win, but it's kind of similar to that uh, Toledo opener uh, a couple of years ago, where it's a pretty good team in the MAC. They've had success, uh, but you know you should still be able to take care of business. So it feels like one of those typical MAC games. I think they have another tough one uh, a little down the road against Northern Illinois. Uh, nothing Kentucky can't handle, but uh, you know you're not going to have Chris Rodriguez. It sounds like you're not going to have Jordan Wright. It sounds like, and maybe another starter uh, pulled into things a little bit. So uh, you're going to have to overcome challenges. There's always some week one jitters, and we've seen uh, Kentucky have their uh, fair share of struggles in these you know FBS uh, these non-power five slash FCS opponent games. And we'll see uh, we'll see how things go. But you know this is
0: a game you got to win. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned potential areas of concern, and there's one I want to get to here real quick, talking about this Miami offense. This this Miami team liked to throw the ball around a little bit last year, 21st nationally in passing yards per game. They were 20th nationally in yards per attempt. Their quarterback, Brett Gabbert, relative of one Blaine uh, Gabbert, former Missouri quarterback, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions last year. He's, he's a decent QB. If we're going to identify areas of concern, Aaron, one has to be potentially Miami's passing game against this Kentucky secondary, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that I feel pretty good about the, I, I guess I'm a wild card with the secondary because I feel pretty good about it. I mean, obviously you want to see Carrington Valentine play a lot better. I think he had a lot of ups and downs last year. Obviously, uh, the real bad game was against pretty good about the secondary uh, against almost anyone but week one against the quarterback who can really throw it and you're still kind of trying to figure out uh, who's exactly going to be the starting guys and who how exactly you're going to line up every day yeah it could definitely lead to some week one struggles especially early in the game
0: you mentioned the interceptions by Blaine Gabbert only six Miami as a team last year actually was one of, I believe top 15 in the country in turnovers uh, of allowed yeah. actually they were they were really really good at taking care of the football and Blaine Gabbert excuse me Brett Gabbert Really, really solid yeah. at doing that. If you take away their passing game, which it, it, it sounds like you really favor Kentucky secondary in that matchup, I'm not really thrilled about their options in the backfield. Yeah. They they kind of do running back by committee. Five different players last year had at least 50 rush attempts. That includes yeah. the quarterback in Gabbert there. Their leading rusher yep. had 556 yards, just not necessarily a really potent running game. They do have 4 of their five offensive linemen back. But a number that I want to get to here – that may kind of pull this game out of Miami's reach. Miami last year, 101st nationally in red zone conversion percentage. Only 77% of the time did Miami score when they were in the red zone. I don't necessarily know if that's going to translate over to this year's team because obviously stats from last year, you can't really lean on all of them to kind of project uh, what, what teams do in the future. But that's one that I'm kind of hanging my hat on and saying, okay, if I'm Kentucky's defense, maybe even if their offense has a little bit of, bit of success throwing the football You'd like to think that they can get stops when they need to, and at least hold them to three uh, in the red zone.
1: Yeah, you want to bend and not break, and I think uh, I think that Kentucky. I would have to look at the numbers, but just from just from memory, I feel like that was a, that wasn't that big of an issue last year. I felt like they did a pretty good job uh, in a lot of those games, holding teams to three. They obviously had a couple bad weeks uh, defensively, like, uh, but they're also in those games like Tennessee. There was a, a lot of explosive plays. Missouri, you had Tyler Beatty made a couple of they were just getting beat, uh, beat long, and it wasn't necessarily in the red zone. So, uh, and like you mentioned, the run game, I feel. I- They'll be able to control the line of scrimmage in this one, and if it gets into the red zone, and even if it gets into a first and goal situation, uh, you got to feel pretty good about the about the run defense and uh, being able to, you know, limit those touchdowns and keep it to three.
0: All right, before we continue along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, just want to remind you guys to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I know some of you are listening on podcast. If you are listening on podcast, please do me a favor and leave a five star review on the show. I would really, really appreciate it. But if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're trying to get to 2,500 subs. Let's see if we can get there. I would love to see us get there before the start of basketball season. I think we can do it. want to switch over things here to Kentucky's offense against the Miami defense. Defensively, this team was not terrible last year. Statistically above average in four major categories, including points per game, rushing yards uh, allowed, passing yards allowed, and total yards allowed. And they bring back two starters in each level of defense from what I've seen. Six total on that side of the ball. Really, really good if we're going to stick on the topic of red zone uh, opponent percentage. Really, really good at holding opponents in, in the red zone. In fact, Miami was 16th nationally last year in opponent red zone conversion percentage. They lost a lot up front. This team was really, really good at getting after yeah. the quarterback last year. 38 sacks. They lost a couple of key guys. Don't really necessarily know if if they're going to be able to kind of replicate what they had last year uh, with some of those different players. offensively, I think Kentucky is going to want to try and stay balanced, I believe for most of the season and in this game. But is there anything you see in this Miami defense that could maybe take the Wildcats out of their element or maybe make them uncomfortable?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you mentioned the defensive line, and you know that's kind of the problem with these uh, with these teams who have these F, uh, lower level FBS or FBS. F- FCS teams uh, that have that type of talent. Either, you know, it's going to go pro or it's going to transfer. That's kind of just where we are uh, in college football right now. So, uh, you know, Kentucky, even without Chris Rodriguez, they're going to run the ball well. Uh, I really like Ramon Jefferson, the transfer from Sam in Houston State. And I think uh, Kavate Smoke's kind of been kind of slept on a little bit. He's healthy now, and we all know what he could be uh, when healthy. So I think the run game's going to be in good shape. Um, And as far as passing goes, I mean, this is kind of, this is, anything that can happen <laughs> in this game. You make sure that the strength of their defense sounds to be the secondary. And this is a game for, I mean, you gotta like what Will Levis could do, but, uh, this is kind of his first run with a lot of these receivers, actually almost all of them. I mean, you know, outside of like Chris Lewis and Chauncey Magwood, who played very minimally last year, I mean, he's never thrown in a game to Davion Robinson, to Dane Key, to On Brown. Um, he has some, some rapport with the tight end, but, uh, really, actually, just Isaiah Cummins and Brennan Bates, because uh, Keaton Upshaw was out last year. So, uh, it's going to be really interesting. It's kind of, I feel like it's going to be a feel-out game to see who those go-to guys are, but, um, I just think Kentucky's talent outweighs what Miami's got, and, um, my biggest concern with the Kentucky offense is the offensive line, but I don't think this matchup, uh, is going to be one where you have to worry too much, just given what, uh, the Red Hawks have lost up there.
0: Can you give us an idea of what the offensive line looks like heading into this matchup? I know there's been a little bit of rotation at left tackle. It seems like Kentucky's probably found their guy there. A couple different injuries throughout fall camp. Take us through what the line could look like in the season opener.
1: Yes, that's the toughie right there. Um, left tackle, I think it's going to be DeAndre Buford, but, you know, K- uh, Kain's a good one is right there, so I don't know exactly who's going to start yet. We'll see when the depth chart comes out Monday, but if I had to put money on it, it probably be Buford, and then you obviously you're set at center. Uh, with Eli Cox moving over there from everything I've heard and seen. It's been a pretty seamless transition, uh, so that's really good. Um, then you look uh, at the other guard spots. Kenneth Horsey is a, uh, I would say, he's, he's questionable uh, for this Miami game because he, during there was a part of practice yesterday that was open to media, and he was working on the side, and he eventually left. And he looked like he was limping a little bit. And uh, from what I've heard, he hasn't done much in the scrimmages playing-wise, so I'm not sure about his availability. Again, we'll see when that depth, we get that first depth chart, uh, on Monday. So that that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I would assume if he's out, Jagger Burton is the guy to sw- uh, slide in there, um, at the guard spot. And then the other guard spot will be, uh, Tayshaun Manning, the transfer from Auburn. You gotta feel pretty good about him. And then at, uh, uh, at right tackle, uh, it's gonna be Jeremy Flax, who, um, is a Juco transfer, I believe. It's his third year in the program. Uh, He was pretty much set to start last year, but uh, they were able to add Darryl Rosenthal through the uh, transfer portal, and that kind of changed the plans. And we saw Flax a lot in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, He didn't play great, but from what I've heard, he's had a good camp. Uh, He really uh, favors this coaching staff. I mean, there were some issues with Eric Wolford last year. I think his aggressiveness kind of rubbed the guys off the wrong way. And Zach Yenzer is more of a calming presence. He really reminds us. some of the veteran guys of John Schlarman, who of course is loved here. So um, I, I think that additional help, but yeah, there's a, there are definitely some questions in the offensive line. It looks like week one, there's a chance. Uh, you only have one returning starter, Eli Cox, and you have no returning starters to their uh, position from 2021.
0: An over under here for you, for the offense, 200 rushing All yards right. in this game over under. And then on top of that, who do you think is going to be the leading rusher?
1: Wow. That's tough. I, uh, uh... I'm going to go over because I think I think as they I think they're going to want to I think they're going to put this game away. I think it might it might take a little longer. It, it always seems like these season openers are close at the half and they pull away in the third quarter. Uh, so you see a lot of run action in the fourth. So I think they break two hundred. <sighs> Leading rusher. I'm going to go Ramon Jefferson. I really think uh, this kid's going to play a really big role, uh, uh, even when Chris Rodriguez is back, but especially while he's out. Uh Will Levis was comparing him to Doug Martin, which is a pretty good comp just given the size. Uh Ramon's about five ten, but he's really fast and he's really strong for his size. So uh I'm gonna go Ramon Jefferson. The other guy who wouldn't surprise me is Cavate Smoke and I think McClain McLean's gonna be more of a passing back option throughout the year than that, you know, run stuff uh stuffing uh, stuff a run yard sheet.
0: Final question here to you, and then we'll let you get out of here. Kentucky's forty-five to ten win over ULM last season was one of the Wildcats' largest margin of victory in a season opener since yeah. two thousand fourteen against UT Martin. I believe that game was a fifty-nine to fourteen win. I'm not going to force you into a final score prediction unless you have one. <laughs> but what should we should we expect a larger margin of victory in this game, or does Miami keep it close at all after after the half?
1: Yeah, I, I think it'll be closer than last year. I, I think ULM who started to turn a corner uh, midway through the year. Terry Bowden, that was kind of inevitable. He's a great coach. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I can't. I don't think it's going to be a 35-40 point game this year. I just think Miami, Ohio is a stronger opponent. Uh, just looking at Kentucky's history uh, against the MAC, it hasn't been that lopsided. If you look at, I believe, the Toledo final score from week one, uh, three years ago was 38-17. And I could see it being in that range. I think it'll be... Uh, pr- probably in the two to three possession range. But um, I would expect kind of what, we, what we've what we become accustomed to seeing uh, with Kentucky in these week one games. Maybe a slow start, maybe a game at halftime that's pretty close and has fans uh, biting their nails a little bit, but they, they take care of business. I don't think it'll be like Chattanooga game last year uh, where it was like a five-point game at, at a final, but uh, I do think um, it'll be closer than week one against the ULM.
0: Aaron, really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Tell everybody where they can find your content.
1: Yeah, anytime. It's um, my Twitter is a Gershon 99 That's where uh, you know you can message me if you have questions. If you find all my work uh, is there, uh, catspaws.com, or in our magazine that's sold locally here and all over Kentucky. Football yearbook is out. Basketball yearbook is on the way. Uh, and then, uh, as you mentioned on the top, I've been co-hosting the Believe in Kentucky podcast with. Uh, Vinny Hardy, and then we're going to be having uh, Jalen Whitlow, former quarterback, um, join us pretty pretty much weekly as well as uh, a former defensive end Otis Crispy weekly. They're kind of going
0: to rotate bi-weekly, so looking forward to that. Links to uh, Aaron's podcast and his Twitter are in the description below. would encourage you guys to go check him out and give him a follow. Aaron, really appreciate it. Hope to have you on sometime later on in the season. Anytime, man. All right, that was our conversation with Aaron Gershon of the Cats Paws over at 24-7 Sports. Links to Aaron's information is in the description below. Like I said, really appreciate him coming on the show, talking about some matchups, talking about some players across the offensive line and at different positions. Really appreciate him coming on. Would like to get him on in the future. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter, at Lance Stahl underscore. And you can follow the show on Instagram. That is over at Kentucky Podcast. We will be back on Monday to talk about Kentucky versus Miami. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Go Cats, and God bless.